You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, how to use the high five banking method to organize your bank accounts and manage your money with Saharanese Pierce. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you're brand new here, you may be wondering why I'm calling you a journeyer. Well, that's what I dub my tribe, my crew, people who are on this journey with me to financial freedom and independence. So I'm happy that you're tuning in. And this week, I am talking to Saharanese Pierce, the creator of the High Five Banking Method. Now, I originally met Saharanese at FinCon. So FinCon is the personal finance conference or finance conference for creators. So if you're in the personal finance space, you're a blogger, content creator, podcaster, you are an influencer, like FinCon is the place to be in terms of networking and meeting people. And I actually met Saharanese at the last FinCon I went to and she was so nice. She came up to me. She said she was a fan of the show. She was a journeyer and that she created this hi-fi banking method. And so I was really excited to be able to keep in touch with her after FinCon and then bring her on the show so you can hear all about it. Because listen, we all have big goals, whether it's retiring early or reaching financial independence, paying off debt, saving. And the only way we can do those big goals is if we can manage our money well. And so I know some people get really caught up in the day-to-day money management of it all. Like, where does my money even like go after I get my check? Like, how do I make that efficient and simplified? And so Saharanese created this really cool banking method, and she's going to talk all about it in the episode she also has a really nice story about why for her getting her finances in order was so important when it came to her son. So definitely listen up for that. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, hey, journeyers. Okay, so I have the pleasure now of talking to, introducing you to Sirenese Pierce of Poised Financial Lifestyle. Hi, Sirenese. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm really excited to have you on. We met in person at FinCon in 2019, right? And you were just so nice. And you talked about like being a fan of the podcast. And you shared with me this very cool method that you have, this high five banking method. So I definitely want you to talk about that because it helps you organize your finances. And I think that's going to be super helpful to journeyers and listeners. But you also have like a very cool personal finance story yourself. So I do want to talk through with you how you paid off um, $99,000 of debt in five years. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So many places we can begin, but let's first talk about like that debt. What made you so interested? Because you have your own brand uh, talking about personal finance. What made you get into this point where you're like, all right, I have debt. I need to pay this off. What was that journey like? 
I think it started off when my family hit really hard times during the 08 recession. They were doing so well financially from the outside looking in, even as a kid. And when I saw how drastically the economy affected them financially, it really made me look at my finances differently, everything differently, from credit to debt to just the way that we naturally do things, how we buy houses, how we finance cars. And I got instantly kind of scared about student loan debt because that was what I was approaching into. And right away, when I got with my fiance, my husband, back in the time, we started talking about finances. And this was when I started transitioning into the finance career. I changed degrees from pharmacy to finance. Again, I was going through um, a different stage in my life where I was starting to see more value in figuring out how do we really strictly protect ourselves financially, especially since, you know, our community from Latinos and Black people, we don't really know the basic foundations of finance. And that scared me. I was like, okay, we're working hard. We're starting businesses. We're becoming a little bit successful and then we're losing it all. So that's when I transitioned into the financial planning industry. And one of the things that really scared me that I talked to my spouse about was now that I'm in the financial planning industry, I can't file bankruptcy. So that inst- instantly scared me a little bit. I was like, wow, I could. So, okay. So I want to go back a little bit. So you went to school for pharmacy and then your major was finance. Mm-hmm. So I completely transitioned. I went to college probably for the wrong reasons, just to make money. And then I started realizing, I found out that my school offered a new program called financial planning. It's like a program for like to get your CFP within the finance major. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. This is something that I naturally do. I love talking about money. Everyone's like, you're obsessed with money. I'm like, I'm not obsessed with money. I just want more options. I want more, um, more stability. <laughs> I honestly, I, I didn't go into it for the money. That's the funny part. I went into it because I was really upset and frustrated about how our community doesn't know anything about investing and just how to realistically manage our money correctly. So that was the main reason. But then again, I got a little scared because my partner had student loan debt. I had student loan debt. He just got a car. I needed a car. I was like freaking out. I'm like, I do not want to lose my career because if we file bankruptcy, I pretty much lose my career. So that was the main entrance into the conversation of should we start knocking down our debt. And I know for a lot of people, that's a hard conversation to really start off with someone that you're just dating, but he was really open to it. He understood his family was also affected by the recession. His dad lost his job. Uh, My dad lost his job. So we were both on the same page because we saw the negative effects of the economy. So we started knocking off our student loan debt. And our goal was before we got married, we wanted to be student loan free. How much and, student loan debt did you guys have at that time? Did, were you graduated? You, were, you had graduated by then? Yes, I officially graduated. I moved in with my boyfriend, which is now my husband, and he had about 45000 and I had about 10000 I didn't have a lot because I didn't realize this as well. California, the public schools here in California are much cheaper <laughs> compared to other states. So luckily I did go to community college and then I transitioned into um, a Cal State Northridge, which the price for that tuition was very realistic, very common. 
and his was a lot more. So when we joined it together, it was like $55,000 in student loans Mm. on its own. And then on top of that, he had his car and I was looking into getting a car. So, you know, you start thinking about, oh, wow, this debt is really stacking up quick. Yeah. (laughs) And I told him, like, if we're going to get married and we're going to be serious about this relationship, this debt can really hurt us. Because even if we file bankruptcy again, this debt stays. (laughs) We can't get rid of it. We can't write it off. The interest is going to keep on collecting, even if we postpone the payments. And that was what brought the fear out of me, you know, and that's what motivated me. And he learned about Dave Ramsey, about the snowball method. And we started doing that and it worked out, you know, we started knocking off our debt. And at the same time, we were actually saving for our wedding. So we were doing a lot. <laughs> yeah. So were you practi- Were you a planner at that time? What was, what, were you working or and what, and if you don't mind sharing, what was he doing? Like, yeah, so I was working on a team, a financial planning team in San Diego And I was mostly handling the financial plans and reviewing like the the assets and making sure we clicked all the information, making sure that we were able to write out the plan, like the physical plan that the client actually got. And then my husband, he was at a startup creating a social networking site. So he does a lot. He's a UX UI graphic designer. And one of the perks about his job was that since he was so good at it, he was able to do side hustles with it. So he actually was doing graphic designing for a private schools and he was able to rack up extra income that way. And he was able to pay off his student loans much quicker. And the same thing with me, I wasn't able to get a side hustle, but what I did do is I kept on growing within my industry. So getting my series seven, every time I got a new licensing, my boss would pretty much give me a raise or a bonus. So that was one of the little tips that I did to increase, you know, our debt to get it out. That's one of the things that you have to think about. How can you increase your income while you're trying to get out of debt? Because again, the debt stacks up really quick. So you got to find a way to bring it down. Yeah, that interest, right? It accumulates people are amazed when they like look back and they see like, wait, I only took out this. How much, how can I owe more than, you know, what I took out? Right. And it's that compounding works in both ways. It works in your favor when you're investing and then it does not work in your favor when it is on the debt side. So, okay. So you guys got serious about paying off debt. He seemed to be on board. So that was, that's pretty good because sometimes (laughs) partners are not on the same page and have different like ideas of lifestyle and what you want to do. So you guys paid off, how much was it? It was 99 all in total, but in the okay. beginning, we paid off the $55,000, which was all student loan debt. Okay. And then eventually over the five years, completely, you paid off that debt. So I imagine had to make some sacrifices, obviously, even though you guys had probably good income together, because um, that's something people always bring up like, well, it's easy for someone to pay off $100,000 of debt if they have six figures, but there must've been some sacrifices you still had to make to be able to do that. Right. Yes. So what we did is we had a game plan that we wanted. We wanted to start actually our family. And one of the things that we wanted to do was I wanted to postpone my career to be a stay at home mom for a little time since I was so young in my career. <laughs> like, Think about it. Financial planning is kind of like an old career. The older you are, the better, the more seasoned you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I saw this opportunity as, wow, I could realistically take postpone my career for a little bit and start my family. And my husband had a dream of starting his own business as well. So there were a lot of things that we wanted to do. 
And the way that we saw ourselves positioning ourselves to feel comfortable to do these things was by postponing our debt payoff and focusing on our emergency fund and realistically finding a way to lower our cost of living, you know, make the priorities a little bit less stressful. And that's what we did. So a lot of times people are like, wow, it took you guys five years, but we did a lot within five years. We paid off our student loans. We paid cash for our wedding. We started the business at this point, two businesses, and we started our family. And then we went back and focused on the remaining debt, which were the cars. And, you know, there's a lot of moving pieces within it, but it's all about finding your own balance of what you actually want to accomplish. That's what brought us the opportunity to do that was by reducing our cost of living, by reducing our debt, the biggest one, which were the student loans, and saving an appropriate emergency fund to realistically build up our confidence to do start our businesses and kind of be only on one income, which is really scary, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, but you have to take that leap of faith, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or fortunately, right? Like I think sometimes like being in that position, especially I don't know if, if you you guys seem to have like a plan. You knew you're going to get married. Potentially you have kids. You have kids now that there was a certain lifestyle you also wanted to achieve and freedom that you wanted mm-hmm. to have. So getting organized is key, right? To all that. Yes. So I want you to explain this hi-fi banking method that you talk about because I feel like it really hit a chord with people. So can you explain what it is and how it can help people get organized with their money? Yeah. So when my husband and I first started together, joining our finances, you know, we were doing our stuff separately and it was working out okay. I could tell for him it was a little weird and for me it was getting a little weird because we now we had joint bills, we had to lower our lifestyle expenses, you know, we had to start prioritizing paying off debt and saving for our wedding. There was a lot more moving pieces like the older we got and we started realizing having all of our finances go through one checking account and one savings account isn't working anymore. Like that worked when we were in college and when life was simple, we had very few bills. But now as life started becoming more complicated with more bills and more responsibilities, we figured out that we have to get organized and have a clear path of where we're going. Because sometimes when life's a mess, your finances feel like they're a mess and you just feel overwhelmed and you kind of want to just ignore it. So what we did instead is we started reevaluating our current bank accounts. And what we realized was that we need one joint account to pay our bills because at that point we were both working. So we realized he had two accounts, checking and savings. I had my checking and savings. We realized that we had a lot of accounts with no purpose. It's like, what are all these accounts for? There's no realistic purpose behind them. They're just there. And what we started doing was repurposing our accounts first finding purpose in what we're paying, what we're saving for, what are we doing with the income that's coming in, not just going emotional, emotional shopping or something like that, because that happens as well. So what we decided to do was to open up an account specifically for our bills. And then we had our own accounts for our lifestyle. And then after that, we realized, you know, thinking about the Dave Ramsey stuff and all the stuff that I learned at school, you know, we realistically do need an emergency fund one that we have together. So we had one of the savings account designated as our emergency fund and so on and so forth. And then realistically, what I want to say is this stuff made sense, you know, separating your accounts with purpose, but I didn't realize how much value it had until later on. 
So before I move on, I do want to explain it. So <laughs> I don't want to go into another story yeah. without explaining it. So the high five banking method ended up being the five accounts that you need to organize our finances, which is composed of five accounts, two checking accounts, and three savings accounts. The first checking account is going to be for your bills, where we prioritize only our mandatory needs. After that is a lifestyle checking account for fun. Because again, we're not going to kill ourselves. And there's things that you do want to do on a monthly basis that, you know, that are hobbies or that relax you or that make you happy. And that's okay. You know, that's what makes you unique. There's nothing wrong with being unique. <laughs> mm-hmm. And after that, we go into the three savings accounts, which is going to be the first one is your emergency fund. After that is your long-term goals and then your short-term goals. And we naturally saved for our wedding through our long-term goals because we realized that it was going to take us longer than 12 months to realistically save for this because it was a kind of expensive and we were paying off debt. So we became like, okay, this is going to take about 15 months, 14, 15 months. Let's save for this here specifically. So the long-term goals are 12 months and above is what you'd say? You say for I would say yes. Anything that's over 12 months that you need to save for because- There are goals, like if you want to buy a house, have a wedding, save for your kids, have a big vacation. Sometimes when you look at the numbers after you pay your bills, not a lot of money left over and you have to prioritize, okay, this is how much I could realistically save for this. How long is it going to take me to save up for my goal? Mm -hmm. And then when it comes to your short-term goals, this is something that we used to avoid getting into debt into credit card debt specifically. You know, there's always annual subscriptions that we forget about, car registration, some of the boring stuff. But there's also fun things that you want to do, like a weekend getaway trip or a new cell phone. There's always something that you want to get that you can easily go into debt for. But you're like, no, 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 let me not go into debt. (laughs) Let me save for it. And once I have the money in that account, then we'll go do those trips or have our fun time outside of the monthly fun. (laughs) Right. So when it comes to debt, like if someone has debt and they're trying to utilize the system, so their bills and the mandatory, I guess, minimum payments would be factored into your bill checking account. But Mm -hmm. now if you're trying to get out of debt and be more aggressive, do you put the extra money in that account to pay off? Or where does someone with debt, like put the extra money to pay off debt or just, just go directly to debt? I would say it depends on the buckets that you have, the purpose that you have for each bucket first. So you don't have, you're trying to pay off debt, but you don't have an emergency fund. You really need to start thinking about, wait, I need to protect myself and have an emergency fund before I start paying off all of this debt, putting all of my extra money towards debt. So I always look at it as, okay, the first place that all your money needs to go to is your bills. And you said the minimum payments towards your bills. So you're current on all your bills. After that, make sure you give yourself a little bit of money for your lifestyle. So you don't go crazy and go back into debt. Because mm-hmm. again, it's a mental thing. It's not just the numbers. You have to make sure that you're putting safeguards on yourself so you don't go back into debt. And let's say you've completed your emergency, your $1,000, your one month of bills for your emergency fund. After that, you would see clearly on your budget. This is why it's important to still budget. It's not just doing the banking. It's also having a budget. You'll clearly see, okay, now that I've saved my emergency fund, how much money do I have left over? And that's the amount of money that I neither need to keep in my bills or just strictly push towards my debt, whichever, wherever it's at, like credit card debt, car payment, whatever it might be. But that would go back into your bills. 
or stay in your bills account so that you can pay off that debt a little bit more aggressively. But again, it's all about positioning your finances to work for your goals. And a lot of times people don't prioritize. They forget, oh, this is going here. I don't have to think about it no more. I'm like, no, you have to organize yourself and realistically see how much money do you have left over to push towards debt. Right. And I think it's important to know like who you are and if you have a partner, who they are, because there's some people who can go very stealth on, I am going to cut out. I don't need a lifestyle. I don't need fun. I'm just going to like get serious about every extra thing is going towards my debt. I don't have to go out to eat again. Right. Like some people are like mm-hmm. that mentally, like they can stay focused like that and knock out their debts maybe very quickly. And then realistically for a lot of people, that's maybe not how they are. They still need to allocate for, you know, that maybe going out to eat once a month or whatever you figure out. So I do like that there is realistically for people who do need that extra motivation outside of just paying bills. Like there's still like this kind of fun or extra account money. And it allows you to really see, like I always say, try to organize and see how long it's going to take you like to pay off your debt. Mm-hmm. or invest and save, right? So one one side, you have people who are focusing on paying off debt. And then if you are past that stage, it's about, okay, how much can I invest and save to reach like this goal that I have? So depending on how focused you get, like you can see, is it worth this monthly bill? Is it worth this trip when I can invest or pay this debt off, right? Yes. Another thing that I want to specify is the short-term goals. This is the account where you can save for what you want and avoid getting into debt because there are a lot of like yearly things that you have to pay for that we forget, like your gym membership or car registration, all of these little things that kind of slip down the cracks. You know, we forget, we're like, oh man, now I can't put extra towards debt or I can't invest more or I can't save more for my house. So these are the things you want to list out and make sure that you're putting money towards these things so that you don't go deeper into debt because debt happens to, that could happen to anybody, even the most planned and prepared person. So that's why I always tell people, make sure you're saving for your emergency fund and for your short-term goals. They don't always have to be fun. <laughs> Some could be boring, mandatory things, and or like life insurance, car insurance, all of these things, you know, that come up and we forget about because what you don't want to do is push extra money towards the money you thought that was extra towards debt. And now you have car registration that's coming up and you don't have enough money to pay for it. Now you're stressed out. And, you know, either going into debt or borrowing money from friends and family. So just make sure you're positioning yourself for what the outcome that you want. Yeah. So there's like these, this idea of sinking funds almost is like what the mm-hmm. term goals are. For example, I was looking at sending my kids to summer camp for the first time um, they, in the summer. And I'm just like, okay. So I'm looking at prices and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive for like four weeks. <laughs> And so like, let's just say now someone decided that summer camp was going to be on the list of things that they wanted to do for their kids. Mm-hmm. It'd be dividing what, however far that summer camp, the summer is away, like dividing that amount that you need to pay by the time registration mm-hmm. is, or you need to pay in full, like the, by the, how many months you have to save, right? And then you put that money away monthly. So I find that sometimes people can foresee that, right? Like, so for me, I know that we want to put them in summer camp. So it was something we already kind of planned for. But there's always like little things that come up that you'd be like, oh, I totally forgot that was due. But then there are things like, okay, you know, you pay insurance. So if you're trying to save, right, because usually they give you a little discount for paying like your premium in full, you can foresee. But what do you think are some ways um, that people can like really try to think ahead about upcoming bills? Do you think like kind of going through back 
a year of what they actually spent. Maybe if they have a budget that kept track of that so that mm-hmm. they can see, oh, I totally forgot about this registration. I need to add it into 2020's future budget. How do you feel like people can start to capture more of the things that come up? More of the random things yeah. <laughs> that they forget. Possible. Yeah. Like I definitely think it's possible. Like I was looking, my husband and I were looking at our utility bill, right? And we noticed that it's a little higher in the winter and lower in the summer because it doesn't get that hot over here in California. <laughs> and we realized what our average realistically was, right? And what kind of bills we actually have. What does our lifestyle actually look like? And what I disagree with a lot of people that they do is they try to make a concrete budget. Life is not concrete. So I believe if you build a concrete budget, even in the beginning of the month, you're going to feel like you're going to fail because life does come up. Life does change. That's why I believe that having a liquid budget is more effective than a concrete budget. Your finances, your income should be flowing with your actual life. It shouldn't be feel like you're contradicting each other. You're hitting (laughs) against concrete. It should feel like you plan for the best and you make adjustments within the month. That means if let's say a bill comes out higher than expected, for example, or you went over on your usage for your internet or something like that, because those things happen. Those are the little unexpected things, you know, that come up. And they kind of trip you up sometimes. The best thing to do that what I do is we have a big budget meeting at towards the end of the month and we evaluate, okay, what are the realistic expenses? How much is it actually going to cost for this month for these bills that are variable? You know, they change. We budgeted a certain amount, which is like the average, but we know that it could change. So we modify that right in the beginning of the month. And if we realize that in the middle of the month, because this happened to my daughter, she had a speech therapy that came in and I wasn't expecting, you know, I didn't even know how much it was going to cost. I didn't know when it was going to start. And it came up in the middle of the month. So what we did was like, okay, this is something that is mandatory. It's a need. Now we need to shift and make sure that we move appropriately the money needed in the right account for that. So we put money back in there. So instead of pushing a whole bunch of money towards lifestyle or towards our emergency fund or towards our goals, we modified it. We're like, no, this has to be less money goes into the short-term goals this month. And we're prioritizing the bill that came up that's unexpected. Yeah. And a lot of times what we usually have is a little first aid kit in our budget. It's like $100 for any unexpected things that come up. And for this example, it was more than $100. So it kind of ate into that. And it was nice because it's something that we don't use if we don't need it. And we only supplement it again if we use it. So it's in there and we don't spend it like, oh, we have an extra $100. Let's go out to eat and blow it. It's like, no, 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 no. This is specifically for if there's a bill or something that's mandatory that comes up that is between the ranges of $100. And usually it is about $100. Just that example was, um, it was more than $100. So, you know, we had to modify But And that's the beauty of being in such control of your money. It's not to say that there won't be things that you can't, especially when you have kids, oh my gosh, or a house Mm -hmm. or things that you just can't control. Like, you know, your kid's getting sick or them needing help or your house, something breaking in your house or your car. There are just certain things that are going to happen. So it's not about preventing these things from happening. It's about, like you said, being flexible with them. And so I love that one that you guys have a like a budget meeting and you sit down together and talk through these things. But when you understand and have this in front of you, whether you call it a budget or spending plan, and so you know, wow, 
this $100, $200 thing came up, essentially all that means is that after you pay all your mandatory things, like you're, you have to take this money from somewhere. So mm-hmm. whether it's from a saving goal or maybe it's a fun thing, maybe, you know, you budget $500, I'm just saying for restaurants and food for the month. And you have this thing comes that comes up. And if it comes up at a certain time in the month, we haven't blown through all your like restaurant like money yet. You can say, well, this is more important. And I'm still trying to reach my short-term goals. So I'm not going to pull it from my short-term goals. I'm going to pull it from the restaurant budget. Like we cannot mm-hmm. go out to eat for twice this month to accommodate. Like that is the beauty of knowing the numbers and being in sync with things, right? Yes, definitely. And it's again, it's prioritizing what's most important. A lot of people get paid twice a month, let's say, for example, the first check usually goes into their bills to pay for all of their bills. And then the second check still pays for some of the bills. And at that point, you have to be like, okay, this came up in the middle of the month. I need to have a little bit extra, more money than I expected was gonna, is going to actually stay in my bills account and less money is going to be prioritized to the rest of my goals or my lifestyle. And again, you have to modify. Living in a concrete budget isn't realistic and feeling like you failed is ridiculous. You shouldn't feel that way. And that's one of the points that I want to make sure that I I talk about because a lot of people feel like they're failing at their budget. And a lot of times you're not failing your budget. You're living real life. (laughs) It has to be liquid. It has to be flowing with the reality. Because if life was perfect, then everyone would be debt-free as quickly as possible. You'll have a perfect concrete budget every single year, every single month. And that's just not how life is. And that's why I don't promote people to have a concrete budget and to even be flexible even when you're in the month. Because a lot of times things do come up and you just have to flow with it. Uh, Budget is more a spending plan. It's a plan, but it's also a record of what you actually spent. And it's, it allows you to look back and be like, oh, wow, I, I spent about $200 on medical, extra medical stuff this last year. That's interesting. That's like good information to know. Like, okay, maybe this year I need to budget a little bit more for medical stuff because obviously I'm spending more money on medical than I, than I thought I was. Yeah. And I also, um, for some people, like with they're not tracking what they're spending, they also have a just a warped sense of what it is, the actual numbers. They're like, yeah, I know I spend money on Uber. Yeah, I know I spend money on going out to eat. But if they're not tracking that, they probably think it's way less. Sometimes mm-hmm. more, but most times it's less. And then like when I have people go through and actually like assess and look at what they spent, they're like, I didn't know it was that much. Like I didn't know I was spending $500 on this thing. I thought it was like 200. And it's like, no, this is why it's important to kind of just keep a, have a record of what you're doing so you can be accountable to the number when it's in your face. Yes, definitely. Definitely good to be realistic and to look at your actual numbers because a lot of people don't. And that's one of the things that I get with people when they're trying to do the hi-fi banking method. They're like, oh, does this mean I don't have to budget? And I was like, no, no, no. You still have to budget. <laughs> it's not yeah. a budget, but you still have to budget because that's kind of like the secret beauty behind the high five banking method. It kind of forces you to budget and to look at your numbers right in the face. And for a lot of people, when they're doing like listing out their actual high five banking method, what goes in each category, they'll pause at the short-term and long-term goals and they'll realize they don't have any long-term or short-term goals. And that's very surprising to them. They're like, wow, I thought I did have a lot of goals and I actually haven't put any action towards achieving those goals. You know, I've just been spending, 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 and not really thinking about how am I actually going to achieve these long-term goals that I've been wanting to do forever, 
but I just haven't really prioritized. Yeah, yeah. And so with the hi-fi banking method, I know it's going to be different for everyone, but do you keep all yours in the same um, place? Do you put some in a high-yield interest account, which we can talk about a little bit more like for your long-term goal so that you're earning more interest on it than in a traditional bank account? Of course, yes. I don't recommend everyone to have all their eggs in one basket. That's the thing too. You got to kind of like diversify a little bit. And it's mentally, it actually benefits you to have your emergency fund away from all of your other short-term and long-term goals and your other spending accounts. Because if you're looking at it, for a lot of people, they look at it and they want to spend it on Mm non-emergencies. So it's actually a good thing to have that an online high-yield savings account as well as your long-term goals. But for the emergency fund specifically, because I know that people want to touch it if they're not spending it, if they're not using it. So I think it's really important to keep it separate, out of sight and out of mind specifically for the emergency fund, because I know how tempting it might be for people to want to go on an emergency vacation or an emergency shopping spree. And I get the temptation. This is a way to cut the temptation, avoid the temptation. And that's a really big piece on where you want to position your five accounts. Know yourself, you know, what are your flaws when it comes to your spending habits and realize, okay, I need to position my emergency fund away from me. The same thing as my long-term goals. If I look at it, I'm going to want to spend it. I just want to put money in this account and not look at it anymore and know that the interest is growing in a high-yield savings account and have confidence that I'm achieving this goal and I don't have to be looking at it every single day. And that's like hard for some people because they're so used to seeing that one savings account in their checking account when they log in saying, oh, I have extra money in there. I could buy this dress or I could buy this. I can do that. And it's like, no, this money has a very specific purpose for an emergency fund. Your long-term goal has a very specific purpose is to buy your house. Same thing with your short-term goals. You got to be a little careful in where you place them because you will spend the money (laughs) for non-goals. If you're not disciplined. And that's why it's important with like a running budget. Because if you just have one account, like I do have one, um, well, we have a high yield account for like our backup, backup emergency savings. And then we have another savings account. But the reason why I know, like, because I keep a budget. So I know exactly like, if, like to say there's $10,000 in this account. I know based on my tracking and every month looking at it that, oh, really only 5,000 of it is for the house emergency fund that we have. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the other 2,000 is for the car. Like, you know, so you have to. Some people look at things like as a big bucket. And again, it's going to be determined on how you best, if you listen, if you're listening to this and you're like, I meant like the way I manage my money works, like that's great. This is more for like, if you're trying to figure out like why it's not working currently or why you're not hitting some of your goals. So if you find that having just one lump of money doesn't work and you're not keeping track of like where it's allocated, like this, I think is a great way to start doing that, to start tracking it. I completely agree. So I, to me, again, it's, Don't save just to save. Don't spend just to spend. Bring purpose into what you're doing. And a lot of times that will be the motivation that allows you to cut those urges and actually start saving for what you actually need. And we did the same thing with our emergency fund. We were building our emergency fund. I know that it's like, it's a little bit more fun, I guess, paying off debt and seeing that number go down and a little bit less fun saving for an emergency. Like something crazy happens. You're just like, that's not very motivating. But the way that we took it was, by splitting up our emergency fund goals. You know, the first thousand, that's a nice starter emergency fund. But how much is my actual rent? My rent's 1500, let's say, if you live in a big city. 
and you're like, okay, that's motivating. My first little pocket is going to be my starter emergency fund. The next little pocket is going to be my rent. After that, it's how much does it cost if I get hospitalized? $2,000? Okay, well, I have that. You're growing your emergency fund. You're building purpose into it. You're not just saving to save, mm. you know, because every goal does have different meanings behind it. Again, if you don't have purpose behind it, you're not going to take action on it. And that's the one thing that I've learned with the high five banking method. I thought that it was a good idea. You know, it's a good idea. It makes sense to separate your bills and lifestyle. It makes sense to separate your emergency fund from your short-term goals. It makes sense. But that's how I took it when I first started separating my accounts. But what I realized when I created the high five banking method, the reason I created it was because I found more purpose. So on my 27th birthday, I found out my son had a heart defect called Tetralogy of Flow. And it was very overwhelming and very difficult because you're finding out your son is sick and they needs open heart surgery either right when he's born or six to 12 months later. So mm -hmm. right away, you start getting really emotional about your spending or just life in general. A few days later, towards the end of the month, my birthday is June 22nd. So I was funny because I thought it, the best birthday gift would be to do a gender reveal birthday cake for my birthday. I was like, oh, I went in to go see what my child's gender was. And then they told me it was a boy. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get a blue cake in the inside. And then things changed. I found out that he actually had a heart defect. And a few days later on the 30th, my husband actually got a side job that actually paid for the actual surgery. So why wouldn't that happen when we found out he needed surgery? And then later on, he got a job that offered the exact same amount that the surgery cost. Mentally, I was like, this is a blessing of God letting us know that he, he got our back. And right away, I told my husband, this needs to go in our short-term goals account. And we're repurposing this entire short-term goals account for the surgery that we know is going to happen. It's not an emergency fund need. We've been told very clearly, we have five more months to prepare for this. So... I found purpose within saving for my short-term goals account. And then when that situation came, when it was time for my son's surgery, my father-in-law actually passed away a week before. I found out I had thyroid problems. My husband didn't work for that entire month. And for a lot of families, having an entire month of no income is overwhelming. Yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. All of this happening within 30 days. And what I realized was that I found a lot more purpose in the high five banking method of having a clear path and having our finances organized clearly in a time that I had no need or no desire to even look at my budget. Mm. And it felt really good knowing that I had the money for my bills, even though my husband didn't work for an entire month in my bills account. It felt really good to know that I can tell my husband, babe, go to your dad's funeral, go see your dad. And we had the money in our emergency fund. And it felt, again, really good knowing that we had the money for our son's surgery in the short-term goals account. Everything had so much more purpose behind it. And I didn't realize how important it actually was emotionally when you're going through so much, when your life's a mess, to have your finances organized in a clear way that you know, release the financial stress because I did see families that they were living in their cars. They had to quit their jobs. They were 
getting donated food from the Ronald McDonald house. They were living there. And are other you, kids, other sur- kids having like similar surgeries that you were families. Y- yeah. So in the waiting room, you know, we're all waiting to hear the news from the doctors of the surgery. And you start talking to other people. They tell you not to, but you know, you're grieving at the same time. You're praying that everything goes good for your kid and all the other kids that are there as well. And you start learning that a lot of these people are going through really, really difficult times, not just emotionally and health-wise with their kid, but also financially. And I didn't realize how much of a blessing it was that we didn't have to deal with the financial part, you know, because after the surgery was a success, thank God, a lot of people come home and that's when the bills start to come in. You're late on your rent. You're late on all your other bills. The medical bills start to come up. And this makes life much more stressful, you know, when you're just trying to recover in peace and really savor the moment of the blessings that you received. So that's when I started realizing, wow, the Hi-Fi banking method doesn't just make sense. It's actually very beneficial on a value stance emotionally when your life actually starts to hit you. And a lot of people might not have the same situation I did to hit them all at the same time. But throughout life, we all have different situations that come up that stresses out to a point that we can't even look at our budget. We can't even look at numbers. We forget that we didn't pay the cell phone bill or the water bill. And it just gets overwhelming for a lot of people. And I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that you're scared to get into debt. You're frustrated with your finances and everything in life. And this was a way for me to organize myself and just see the light at the end of the tunnel and have a clear path and feel confident knowing I have the money for this. I don't have to stress out and think about paying my bills or if I have enough money for food because I've prioritized this in the beginning and I have a game plan, a structure that's working for me to protect me while I'm in an emotional state in life. Yeah. And I think it's, that's such, I'm so glad that you like dove deeper into that because One of the things I always say is that, you know, there might be some people who are already in that, like already in the thick of the emergency. And so Mm -hmm. they didn't have time to prepare. And so like, yes, it's kind of like you deal with the emergency, deal with the mental and emotional stuff first, just deal with what's in front of you. But if you are so fortunate to have not had like or not in a dire situation now, meaning you can start to get things together, you can start to like make a real plan of attack to pay off debt, make a real plan of attack to like save for that emergency fund or leaving your job or whatever reason, right? Because the things you do, like all lead you up to be prepared for things like this. Um, And a lot of times, I'm sorry, a lot of times we don't know what we're being, we're preparing ourselves for. You know, we're thinking, oh, I'm saving my emergency fund. I'm paying off debt just to pay off debt and get better financially. And a lot of times we don't know the blessing that we have that's waiting for us. You know what I mean? Paying off debt can actually lower your cost of living, lower your stress and help you get through a difficult situation in the future or open up opportunity for you to move to a new city or we don't really know the real purpose of why we're preparing ourselves until it happens. And now looking back, I'm just like, wow, thank goodness we did reduce that debt. Thank goodness we did prioritize our emergency fund. Thank goodness that we positioned ourselves the way we did because if not, I couldn't even imagine if I had a full-time job. You know, I would have been one of those people that had to quit their job or postpone their career for a very long time. Or, you know, you just don't know how much more stressed out you could have been if you didn't prepare yourself for anything in life. And every little bit counts. 
whether you're on the debt payoff journey or you're now focused more on saving and investing and sometimes your goals seem so far away, but really it's all preparing you. You just never know. You never know what the next day or a couple months or a year from now, what opportunity it can help you with or what tragedy it can save you from, or at least not make everything such a mess that it's something you can't recover from. So I just think, I mean, I love that you shared more of that. Thank you so much. I'm definitely going to share like the high five banking method. I know you have some like great graphics. I'm going to share all of that with my audience and in the show awesome, notes. So awesome. Can see it. But where can people find out more about you? Um, you have an awesome Instagram account. I was just like looking at your videos. I'm just like, how can I get my videos to be so nice too? Like very <laughs> nice lighting. <laughs> so I'll just tell people where they can find more about you and follow your stuff. So on Instagram, my Instagram is Poise Finance Lifestyle. I also have a blog where I share a lot of great content. It's called the the poiselifestyle.com. And a lot of my videos, you can find them on YouTube as well. Poise Finance and Lifestyle. And again, I do put out like Q&As about the high five banking method and different financial topics as well. But if you want to read the entire blog, we're in detail of the high five banking method definitely go to my blog, thepoiselifestyle.com. It's up there, a big, a big, uh, <laughs> a big blog section right there, the high five banking method, because I know it's just so important. And I really want to make sure people get the information right away, because I know that it's hard to organize yourself. So yeah, that's on there. <laughs> okay, so I will make sure I link to all that. Thank you so much again for coming on the show. Thank you, guys. Okay, journeyers, I really hope you enjoyed that episode with Sahiranese. And let me know if you try out the high five banking method. I really would love to see if you maybe try this method out and it works for you. Let me know. As always, you can tag me on social media. I'm at Journey to Launch. And let me know what you thought. Tag Sahiranese on social media so we can see like if you're going to try and use this new method to make things more simplified and organized for yourself. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me in the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here. So show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. <laughs> <laughs>